glad you could be with us here this morning. Um, yes, I know, C3AA, what you going to do? Uh, we're appreciative that uh, you've given up the time to be here with us because it's beautiful out there. So I want to encourage you, whatever it is uh, you're going to do today, to go out and do it out there because it's amazing. Um, if this is your first time with us, or simply if you've never done it before, take this moment right now to, uh, on a browser, go to uh, c3ak.com slash hello, fill out a guest card, just let us know you're here, uh, let us have an opportunity to connect with you, because uh, we appreciate being able to connect with you. If you are uh, accessible, you have access to a PC, I would encourage you right now, if you have uh, small ones, or bigger small ones in the house, uh, visit c3ak.com slash kidprint, and you can print out some children's activity sheets, parents, um, you can go ahead and do one too, you don't have to tell us, it's cool. And uh, finally, we are, we always have been, we will continue to be a praying church. If there's anything going on in your life, the life of somebody you know that needs prayer, uh, we would encourage you to share that with us at, uh, just send an email to prayer at c3ak.com. And uh, that will go to our entire prayer team. You can be assured that whatever it is you share, they will be praying about that for you and with you throughout the course of this week. If it's a little bit more personal, a little more private, you don't want to kind of share it with everybody, uh, you can send that email to either Pastor Jason at C3AK.com or Pastor Tracy at C3AK.com. And then, you know, if one gets it, we'll swap with the other. And uh, you can be assured that uh, both of us will be uh, proud and privileged to be praying about your matter with you this week. Uh, that's all I got. We got great stuff coming this morning, so let's just get to it. I'll open with a word of prayer, and then they'll take it away. Father, we thank you for this amazing day. We thank you for this amazing group of people gathered here and with us uh, virtually, wherever they may be, whenever they may be. We just pray that you would come now, that you would dwell in this place, that you would abide with us, that you would speak to us, that you would make clear individually and as a community what it is you want to share with us this morning, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind that is wise to discern and understand. We just pray, Father, that whatever happens in this place during this time, we would be changed for it, and that we would leave this place willing and strong and obedient to do whatever you have called us to. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Good morning, guys. Uh, I'm, well, Pastor Tyler, <laughs> those of you who know me, and uh, those of you who don't, I used to be the worship pastor here, and uh, it's good to be back this morning uh, visiting, and I also have uh, Miss Hayden Long, she's from Louisiana, and uh, uh, she led worship at uh, camp, at Laverne Griffin Camp this summer with us, and uh, we have her visiting with us this morning, and she's going to lead a little bit as well, so we want to encourage you to sing along with us. All right, here we go.
Man, I'm blessed in these crazy times in which we live that we can still share with you this worship and, and lift up our hearts, lift up our voices. I hope that you sang along with us. I know it can be awkward there in the living room or whatever. One of our folks told me a few weeks ago, they said they're really, they haven't been able to join us in person, but they said they've been singing along at home poorly. <laughs> they might need some voice lessons, but enjoying it nonetheless. And my heart's just full that we're able to lift our voices that way. I'm so thankful for each of these here today. We threw a lot on the technical table today, and the tech team just went along with us, great attitudes, and helped us solve problems. And it's just such a blessing, and then for us to be able to bring it to you there where you are. And so I want to just thank the Lord right now for that, for the opportunity, for the ability that in these strange times we still can be connected. And friends, I've been watching a lot of communication on, on social media this past week. You know, there's a, a large church down in California that stood their ground and had a thousand people standing shoulder to shoulder in their sanctuary last week. And, you know, God bless them. I hope they're well. But folks, the same people here, even some in our community who for years have said, hey, the church is... The church is not the building. The church is not the building. As soon as we couldn't meet in our building, suddenly the church was the building. And I don't get it. And I know that some of you are hurting because you've reached out to me and you've said, man, I miss being together. I miss being able to hug my friends at church. And man, I feel that. That isolation is difficult. And because we want to honor the folks in our community, you know, we right now we can't even have an outdoor gathering with food that is more than 25 people in this town. Okay. But folks, that doesn't mean that you have to stop being the church. Because the church is not this building. The church is you. So right wherever you are, in your family, in your home, with your neighbors, if you're hanging out with them, whatever your bubble is, for the sake of God and all his goodness that he's done for us, be the church where you are. Don't let this be a time that, that you lose sight of who he's made you to be. Do I love gathering here with you when we're able? 100%. Do I miss hearing your voices come back to this stage? I do. But God has not left us alone. God is not absent from this circumstance. Our faith and our walk does not depend on our ability to be able to walk through the doors of this sanctuary and gather here and worship today or any other day. It is his presence within our lives, living with his spirit in our hearts, empowering us to speak truth and light and love and grace into the world around us. And friends, I'm begging you, be those people. 
don't sacrifice the opportunity to be an incredible witness of the goodness of God at the altar of things that we want, things that we desire. I'm asking you along with myself to submit ourselves to the desires of God in this turbulent time. And at the top of that list, at the top of every list that we could ever make about who we should be and what we should be doing, there's two things. They are the, the heartbeat of this church and have been from the day it was founded, that we do everything we can each and every day to love God with everything that we are. And out of that, to love our neighbor as much as we could possibly love ourselves. So I'm thankful. Thankful to be alive. Thankful to be communicating to you today in this way. Thankful for all that God has done for us. I hope you'll be thankful too. Would you pray with me as uh, we set up for a message here? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, as I've said, the opportunity to be here that you've given us through your goodness, through your good measure towards us. We know that every good and perfect thing comes from you, and we receive that this morning. Lord, we're going we're gonna to break open the word here, look at some things that you have given us down through the ages to teach us about who you are, and I pray that you will speak to us anew, a story probably that most of us have heard over and over and over in different forms. But Lord, help us to find something new, something fresh. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're still in Mark chapter 6. Uh, if you're just joining us in this uh, series, I'm going to take a drink of water, if you don't mind. I'm going to try not to crinkle my bottle because I hate that. Ooh. I really miss going to the movies right now, going to live theater especially. What I don't miss, I'm sorry? What I don't miss is people in their water bottles or eating their popcorn loudly or talking all the way through a movie called, what was it called? Quiet Place. Quiet Place, right, that was the one. Just a personal thing there. Anyway, if you're just joining us, uh, sometimes here at Christ Community, we do uh, topical series where we're uh, talking about maybe issues that are relevant to the day or issues that are relevant kind of generally in our lives and finding what scripture says about those. But even in those times, you will find that very, very rarely, in fact, we actively try not to. Neither Pastor Jason or myself will take a topic and then bounce around to 10 different passages of scripture to try and underscore the point we're making. We'll, we'll land in a passage of scripture and then we will try to flesh out of that passage 
what it says. And then other times we'll do like we're doing now and we're gonna be in this for a while. Although I think we might take a break here uh, in a few weeks uh, from the book of Mark and do something a little different. But right now we're working our way literally verse by verse through the book of Mark. And uh, I loved last week's message, Jason. It really uh, blessed me. He, he pulled something out of that text that we worked with last week, which was the feeding of the 5,000 that I had never noticed. I'm going to be, uh, it's a safe bet to guess that if you heard that message, that he also pulled out something out of there that you hadn't thought of before. I talked with three or four other pastor friends this week, and I was so excited about it. I was like, in fact, uh, Rabbit Creek Church, give a shout out to them. They're our good friends over at Rabbit Creek Church and was able to help them with uh, some live stream things uh, this week in their recording. And uh, they have been very generous and kind to us and to the camp as well. And I uh, just love those folks over there. Pastor Mark Goodman and uh, Corey Pepitone is over there and a couple other guys. Henry Hauser, he's my neighbor two doors down. We're just some great people. Uh, Drew is over there and uh, Joshua, Travis, all those guys. Uh, anyway, oh, and Lori Pepitone, children's ministry pastor. She's awesome. Uh, in any case, uh, I was over helping them with some stuff with their audio for their live stream. And they're actually going through the book of Mark right now as well. Uh, they just did the end of Mac, uh, Mark 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. And so I was super excited and I shared with them what you shared last week about that passage of the feeding of the 5,000. And I'm not going to tell you now. See, if you missed it, you need to go back and actually listen to it. I'm not going to tell you what the cool thing was last week. But it was so cool. I was sharing it with other people. And these three or four other pastors that I shared it with, they all went, dude, I never thought of that. I never saw that. And it was so good. And then Mark uh, Goodman from Rabbit Creek said to me, he said, that's really good because one of the things that's unique about the book of Mark among the four gospels, and we call three of them the synoptic gospels because they have so many of the same stories in them and we can see the agreement between those stories. And then we also get some different details from the three different uh, versions of the story because you know how it would be. I mean, there's, there's 15 of us in the building here today. All 15 of us could give a different account of what we've witnessed today because we see it from a different perspective. And we find that in the Gospels. We see uh, some, some awesome agreement that tells us not only that these people were at or witnessing the same events, but the truths about Jesus that they share also show up in harmony and then we also see some uniqueness about their perspectives. But he said one of the things that's cool about the book of Mark is that it's really compact. It's the shortest of the Gospels. The writer was very um, economic with their words. There's not a lot of fluff here. It, it's, it's pretty direct. It, it leaves out a lot of the, the kind of floofy and superlative and and descriptive words. And so when Jason landed on this, and I'm going I'm to give you a hint, the word was green. Green. Changed the entire story in one word. And uh, Mark Goodman was saying, man, that's so cool. I'm sure he's going to steal it in a few weeks when they do Mark chapter 6 because he was so taken with it. Uh, but it really was fantastic. And so hopefully we're going to have uh, kind of a similar event, uh, similar experience with the text today. But I say all of that to say... Sometimes we do topical, but we land in a passage and we work there. Sometimes we work verse by verse. What we're always doing for the most part is what we call, Jason's mentioned it before, is exegesis, where we're trying to look at the text and not add to it, but look at it and say, 
What does it say? What can we learn from it rather than projecting our own thoughts onto it? So that's always the goal. And sometimes we hit the mark and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we get creative and, uh, and it's fun and it's entertaining, but here we are. All right, so this story, very well known. Jesus walks on the water. Now, in two of the accounts, in the book of Mark and the book of John, we have very, very similar accounts. Uh, they're, they're almost word for word, not quite, but it's so close it almost could be. In Matthew, we get an additional detail that I'm not going to touch on today. And that additional detail that we get in the book of Matthew is Peter seeing Jesus walking on the water and asking to get out of the boat and him walking on the water. Now, I love that story. We've told it here, of course, many times. I think, again, Jason has pulled some things out of that story that were meaningful to me that I hadn't thought of before. And it's a, it's a cool story about keeping your eyes on Jesus and having faith and all that kind of stuff. But this story does not include that. Mark did not include that detail in his telling. So you won't see that in today's story. But I think there's something in here that's really, really important that might be helpful and meaningful to you and to me as we think about the place that Jesus has in our lives. All right, so just to, to kind of set the stage, last week we heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, five loaves and two fishes. The week before that, there was uh, some, some back and forth where Jesus had attempted to get in a boat go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and take a break. He said he wanted to go and rest. And in fact, the implication of this, the passage there is that it says that Jesus said that he wanted to get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. And the, the Bible says that the, the disciples took him as he was and put him in the boat. They carried him to the boat. He was exhausted. And then by the time they got to the other side of the sea... The crowds over there had heard that he was coming and they had gathered and then there were some individual things, a demon-possessed boy and, and things that happened and so he didn't get to rest. In fact, if you follow the chronology, he goes across to the sea, the other side of the sea. He performs actually some miracles there. They end up back in the boat. They come back to where they had begun when he wanted to go rest. When they arrived there last week, there's a huge crowd of people. And Jesus begins to teach and then they get hungry. And this miracle transpires. And then we start at, right at the close of that when the disciples have gathered up all of the leftover food that was there at the course of this miracle. And see, I'm still not telling you the cool thing that he brought out last week. You still got to go listen. This, was, this is all basic stuff. You get this every time somebody tells the story. These baskets were gathered. They were amazed. And then we're into verse 45, Mark chapter 6, verse 45. And here's what it says. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. So as soon as they'd finished gathering up the leftover food from the five loaves and the two fishes, immediately he told his disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side of the water, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat with the disciples, was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. 
And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. So we find right here at the beginning, right in verse 45, Jesus is still trying to find the rest that he was denied a few days later. And he takes a different approach this time. Now, I don't know if he had all of this planned out in advance, like this is how it was all going to go down. In fact, it, it would seem to imply that not. Because, you know, there were some things that uh, Jesus sort of, uh, he didn't tap into all of his uh, supernatural God powers when he was on earth all of the time. And so there's a, an implication here that Jesus intended something and then the circumstances changed the course of what he did. And we see it here in the text, we'll get there. But it, this time appears to be, it's fairly early in the day, okay? So uh, it's like when the crowd was there and they were being fed. When Jesus was teaching, it was morning. And then it's kind of like around lunchtime, early, mid-afternoon. The people are there. It's getting late. It's time to eat. That's what transpires the whole feeding with the five loaves and the two fishes. They eat. And then Jesus dismisses the crowd. These guys get in the boat. So it's somewhere in mid-afternoon. It's not yet dark. It's not yet evening. And that's going to be sort of important here just to understand the timeline in just a moment. So Jesus tells them, get in the boat, go to the other side. They get in the boat, and Jesus remains on land. But it says that he goes up to the mountain to pray. And we see in verse 48, it says that their progress was how slow? Painfully slow. Um, I know, you know, Hayden, Stephen, uh, Tyler, they, they were out at the camp this summer. Uh, we've certainly been out to the camp a whole bunch. We've gone fishing out there. And there have been occasions on that lake. It's not a huge lake. It's not that big compared to many other lakes around Alaska. But occasionally, you'll get out there in a canoe or even worse, in a paddle boat, and the wind comes up. And if you're at the wrong end of the lake compared to where the wind is blowing, let me tell you what, it can be a job to get back to the dock. Uh, if... In fact, I, th I think there might have been an incident of that at camp this summer with a young boy, but I'm not sure. Um, I heard a story about a young man who couldn't quite get back to, to the dock. And uh, just by the way, if you're ever in that circumstance, if you can get close to the shoreline, first it helps to know which direction you need to go because that was apparently another problem. But um, if you know which direction to go, if you can get close to the shoreline, just follow the shoreline and you can go in the direction you want to go. But if you try to stay out there in the middle of that lake, it's tough going. It's painful. It's painfully slow. And this is what's happening. A wind had come up. Now remember, here not too long ago, Jesus had calmed the storm. In fact, it's right after they put him in the boat when he wanted to go rest. They get out in the water. A storm arises. The disciples are frightened. They think they're going to drown. Jesus is sleeping, and they're like, dude, what are you doing sleeping? Don't you know we're going to die out here? 
And Jesus, I think, is a little annoyed because he's like, really? Have you learned nothing so far? And then he calms the storm. And they marvel. Who is this guy that calms the storm? This is, this is incredible. Because, see, they still don't fully realize who he is. And something kind of sad happens at the end of this passage. I don't want you to miss that. We'll get there in just a moment. But you would think, I mean, we look at it kind of 2020, right? Uh, we always cast ourselves as the best people in the story. And so we look at this and we think, wow, if I saw Jesus calm the storm, I'd immediately think he was the greatest thing. Or if I saw Jesus feed like 8,000, 9,000 people or more with five loaves and two fishes and still have stuff left over. I mean, I mean I'm in. And I hope that's true. But I find more often than not that I probably more closely align in my attitudes with the people that we tend to criticize in the stories. Maybe I'm not as righteous and as smart as I think I am sometimes. But this wind comes up and it's painfully slow. So get the, get the picture in your mind. There's the body of water with a far distant shore. Maybe you can't even see it, but you know it's over there. And these guys are fishermen, so they know how to do this. They're in their boat trying to make headway. It's painfully slow. The wind is working against them. They're not making much progress. And Jesus has gone up on the mountain to pray. And from that vantage point, he can look out onto the sea and he sees their trouble. He sees their trouble. And so back in verse 48, he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, in Jewish tradition, the, the time from 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. was divided into four parts, four watches. The first watch was 6 to 9 p.m. Second watch was 9 p.m. to midnight. Third watch, with me? Midnight to 3 a.m. Fourth watch was the last watch of the night from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So it says, on the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. So do the math in your own head. If shortly after they gathered the baskets, sometime in mid-afternoon, Jesus told them to go and get in the boat and go to the other side of the sea, he went to pray, and now it's somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. How long have they been laboring out there? Did Jesus see them at the beginning of their struggle? I don't know. Maybe he was busy praying, maybe. Maybe he took a nap. That's what he wanted was to rest. Twice he'd wanted to rest. Once he got woken up because there was a storm, and the next time... He got to where he wanted to go, and there were a bunch of people that he ministered to, and he never did really get to take a rest. So by now, he's probably pretty tired, pretty wiped out. We don't know. Maybe he took a nap. Maybe he prayed. Maybe he did both. Maybe he just wandered around in the countryside that he had made and marveled at its goodness. But in any case, they labored for a long time. And sometimes I think we need to remember that. We find ourselves in trouble. We find ourselves up against something that, that we don't understand. Uh, we're in a circumstance where we're struggling against 
other circumstances or against other people and we're looking for help, it reminds me of this old phrase that, that when God comes to help us, he's never early and he's never late. He's just always on time. I find comfort in that and sometimes it also irritates me because what I realize is that on time means he comes in his time, not mine. He arrives when he knows it's best, when we've understood a lesson we're supposed to learn, when we've expended our efforts and we finally have really called out for him. We're not looking for the easy out, but we've, we've come to our last resort, like there's no one else who can help me but Jesus, and I'm ready for that. I don't know what it was here, but there was something that was being taught to these disciples that we can pull from in our own lives when we're looking for God's assistance, but he doesn't quite show up right then. Maybe it's because he wants us to see something else, to know something else, to learn something else. But nonetheless, when we struggle, what we also learn from this is that he will come to us when the time is right. We might struggle for a long time but he will come to us when his time is right. So at the fourth watch of the night, he comes to them doing what? Isn't this crazy? Walking on the sea. I still, it's still hard for me to picture that. Like, do the waves lap around his feet? Because remember, the wind is blowing. It's, it's stormy. It's windy. It's not smooth as glass. A friend of ours, when we were growing up, Miss. Louise Long, she was a, an old, large, um, feisty woman. You did not want to get on Louise's wrong side, but if you were on her right side, man, she loved you like nobody's business. And man, did she love Jesus. But she told me one time about a time that she almost stopped believing in God. And that was because she had been at church as a kid, about 10 years old, and she heard this story about uh, Jesus walking on the water, and it was paired with the idea of if you have enough faith, you can do anything. And so she went home and filled up the bathtub. And she put a set of steps next to the bathtub, and she stood, she stood up there and she said, Man, I believed with everything in me that when I stepped on top of that water, I was going to be, I was just going to walk right across it. I mean, it was going to be awesome. It was going to be great. And of course, you know what happened, right? <laughs> it's not mystery, gravity and all that. She stepped off onto the water, fully clothed underneath, water everywhere, splashing out. I mean, she filled it like up to the brim. And she said, I was so mad. And for days, she said, I just was, was angry with God. Why wasn't my faith big enough? And, and why, why, why didn't I walk on the water? And so she finally asked him, she's praying. She said, you know, why didn't I walk on the water, God? And she felt like he finally said to her, because I didn't want you to. See, it's okay to have big faith. But what are we putting our faith in and what are we asking for? We see this example of Jesus walking on the water. Does that mean that we should go out and try to walk on the water as well? We can't draw every example like that. I love miracles. I've seen some. I've seen people healed miraculously. 
I've seen circumstances unfold miraculously. I've seen God provide resources miraculously. I mean, there's just no other way to, to come up with a, a reason or a plan or a, a, a process by which it could have happened except that God intervened in a circumstance and moved. But by the same token, that doesn't mean that I can just go out today, go back to the previous story, five loaves and two fishes. I'm not going to call 10,000 people together, bring along five loaves and two fishes, and, and then challenge God to fulfill what I want him to do as a miraculous sign. I'm going to seek his purpose, and he might lead me to a place where I see and even sometimes can participate in a miraculous event. But he's not at our beck and call. We have to be careful with how we interpret some of these things from the scriptures. Even if we go back to the story of Peter, Peter didn't just jump out of the boat, right? What did he do when he walked on the water? He looked out to Jesus and he said, can I come out there? And Jesus went, and he stepped out of the boat onto the water. But here, for these guys, at the outset anyway, they're not seeing it as a miracle. We see it as a miracle because we're looking with hindsight. They didn't see it that way. They thought it was a ghost and they were frightened. But before we get to that, look what it says here. It says, about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and he meant to pass them by. Thanks, Jesus. Nice job. You sent us out here like nine hours ago. Maybe more. The wind is blowing. We've made no progress. And the lake was only three miles across. And they hadn't made it like a third of the way in nine hours. You got to give them credit for not giving up. I might have just gone back to shore. But they're out there. He sees them from the mountain. And then he determines that he's going to come down from the mountain, walk across the land, get to the shoreline. He's going to miraculously step out onto the water. And he's just going to start making his way across to the other side. And it says that he meant to pass them by. That was his intention. Now, it wasn't because he wanted to ignore them. He wasn't taunting them. I don't think there's any... I mean, if he didn't want them to see him, he would have gone further away, right? But Jesus expected something from them that he wasn't, unfortunately, going to get. And Mark, in that economy of words, puts a really fine point on it at the end of this story. We can compare this to uh, passages from uh, Luke. Uh, there's another time where they were going to a, I think this is in Luke chapter 24, they were going to a, a city, a town, the disciples and Jesus. And as they got closer, the, oh, oh I, okay, never mind. Coming back to me. It's after his resurrection, it's Luke 24. After his resurrection, he meets some of his followers on the road and they're very 
upset because Jesus has been crucified and now his body's gone. Someone has stolen him, they think. And he encounters them, and the Bible says that in a supernatural way, he was hiding his identity from them. They didn't recognize who he was. And they had determined together that they would go on to this town. And then as they got there, it says that Jesus pretended like he was going to just keep going. And they're like, no, 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 hang out with us, stay with us. We said we were going to be together. Let's go, let's go have dinner. And they did. They went, and that's when, when Jesus broke the bread, their eyes were opened and they realized that it was the resurrected Jesus. And both of these events where Jesus was going to keep, keep walking by and, and yet the, the, his followers called him back, here's another one where Jesus says he, he meant to pass them by. And it's kind of, it harkens back to, Back to Exodus chapter 33, when Moses wants so badly to see God. It's after the burning bush event happens in, in the book of Exodus. And he wants to see God. And God says, you can't look on, you can't look at me. If you look on my face, it'll kill you. And God says, here's what we'll do. Go up into the mountain and go into this, 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 this slot in the rock. Call it a cleft in the mountain. Just go in there and you'll be kind of hidden back in there. There'll be rock out like this and I want you to hide your eyes and, and there'll be a wind but I'm not in that and all this kind of stuff but when, when a certain thing happens I'm going to be passing by and then I want you to peek out and you'll just be able to see the back of me as I go by that much you can handle and then we have Jesus here he meant to pass them by Why was he doing that? I think based on the other stories, based on the language here, if we go back to the original language, both comparing what's in the Greek here back to what's in the Hebrew in the story of Moses, we get a, an idea that sometimes God is about his business and then he just, he wonders what you're going to do when you see him. See, Jesus thought at this point, after all of the miracles, after, after releasing demons from an afflicted man, after feeding the 5,000, even in this moment, seeing him walking on water, shouldn't they have recognized him? Jesus thought that he would be able to pass them by and not ignore them, but that they would be encouraged. They would be like, hey, that's Jesus walking on the water. Can you believe that? Who is this guy? This is incredible. Let's row faster. Let's catch him. Where is he going? Anybody who's walking on the water, man, I want to go where they're going. But that's not what happens. Instead, they're again filled with fear. They don't even recognize him. They think he's a ghost and they cry out in terror. This is where I'm always reminded in this kind of a moment that it's good that I'm not God because if that were me in this scenario and I just tried to do the same thing and that's the reaction I got, I'd be so mad. What's wrong with you guys? But instead, it says this. Verse 49, when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out 
For they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And so we learn here a few things. Sometime God, he's there, he's watching us, he sees us just like Jesus saw from the mountain, but he wants us to, he wants us to struggle through. He wants us to work some things out on our own. He's waiting for the right time to reveal himself because before that or after that, we won't appreciate who he is. And even sometimes, as we find right here, where he waits for his moment and he reveals himself, still sometimes we don't appreciate his revelation to us. We don't appreciate what he offers when he shows up and we want something different. And even in that moment, when I'm sure Jesus is disappointed, they cry out in terror, and he doesn't get mad like I would probably do. He immediately goes to them and speaks to them and says, hey, 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 it's me. It's me. It's okay. Don't be afraid. Calm down. And then I just, this picture just blows me away. He's, he steps out of the water into the boat. It says here, as soon as he stepped in, he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. Now, I want to be careful how you, how you receive that, because you could easily teach this, that, that if when Jesus shows up, everything's better. But they're still in the boat. They're still in the water. They're still on the sea. But Jesus has arrived and the circumstances have changed. They still have to make their journey. They still have to put in the effort. The difference is now the journey is made with Jesus with them. I can't help but wonder. I mean, I love that. And I love that Jesus is still like that, that in the midst of our circumstances, we cry out, we call out, we struggle. And when then Jesus shows up, no matter what he brings, the circumstance is different. It doesn't mean that our problem goes away. It doesn't mean that everything's instantly better. But it does mean that, that the environment has changed because Jesus is there. But I can't help but wonder, what, how would this story have been different if when Jesus walked by, they had recognized him, and then everything transpired from there instead of out of fear. We won't know because this is the story we have. But it might be something we could put into practice in our own lives, to trust God, to have faith in him, to not have fear in the midst of our storms, but to depend on him and look for him. Try to see where he is and honor him where he is instead of demanding that he do what we want to do. All the while understanding that if it gets to be too much, if we're overwhelmed, we're overtaken by fear, and we cry out, his immediate response is to come to us. 
But there's a caution here, and it's right at the end of this story. Verse 51, he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. Isn't that awesome? For they did not understand about the loaves. It just happened. The loaf things, five loaves and two fishes. They didn't understand what had just happened in the miracle they witnessed with their own eyes. And their hearts were hardened. Mm. That took me by surprise. How does that happen? Because again, we always cast ourselves in the best light, right? I mean, work with me here. You think, I think, that if I saw all these things transpire, I would just be filled with massive faith in this guy, right? I mean, that's what I'd like to think. And yet these guys are spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week with him practically. He's teaching them in private. They're seeing every single thing he does. We, we probably don't have a full 100% accounting of everything that Jesus did here in these Gospels. We have a lot, but it's probably not every day. It's not every moment of every day. It's not like a... Of an every five minute logbook. So they've seen things we don't even know about. And yet still, at the end of all of these things that have been recounted from the beginning of the book of Mark, we get to this place, this incredible moment where he comes to them in their moment of fear and responds to them. And it says that their hearts were hardened a little more. And really, if you look at this, this moment right here becomes kind of the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry. And it's after this moment is when the religious leaders and some of the people begin to turn against him and all the things are set in motion that lead up to his crucifixion. And so the caution that I take from this is it is wonderful it is wonderful that Jesus is who he is and that he will show up in our time of need, that sometimes he will push us and, and allow us to struggle and to push through hard things before he intervenes. And sometimes his intervention won't look exactly like what we thought it would because we'll still be in the boat, we'll still be on the sea. But friends, caution, caution, don't take Jesus for granted so that your heart becomes hardened to who he really is because we just get used to him showing up when we need him. And that's the close of this. A challenge to each of us as we follow Christ, as we depend on Christ, as we call out to Jesus for Every need that we have in our lives, we place it before him and we ask him to be present in our comings and our goings, our decisions and our thoughts and our choices and our desires. Let us not, let us not treat his presence cheap, cheaply. 
Let us, let us not be people who mock his goodness towards us by treating him like a servant instead of the king of kings. Instead, let us take a different course and always be thankful. Always be in awe. Always remember who is the mightiest of all. Jesus. Would you pray with me? Worship team, come and uh, lead us here in another song. Father, I pray that you will take these words from Scripture. Lord, allow them to be planted in our hearts. Lord, for the truth of them to be uh, a seed that lands in the soil of our hearts and grows as you would tend to it as a garden in our lives. And Lord, that the, the fruit, the, the harvest of that would, would grow us continually into, Lord, disciples that are closer to you, faithful to you, and all the time being formed more fully into the follower of Christ that you intend for us to be. Lord, provoke us to be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus the name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
uh, we had a great time here this morning. If you want to hang out with us for a few more minutes, um, because of COVID and the way circumstances have worked out, yay, COVID. Um, we actually uh, have all four of us together, Brother Will, and so we're going to do a couple of songs this morning. Uh, first one goes out to my dad. He uh, requests this one from us uh, when he has the chance. And uh, then the other one's one that we've done uh, for a number of years as well in some of our concerts. Some of these Jonathan's even played with us before. Those were good times. But uh, I want to wrap it up this morning with just saying, uh, don't forget about Claire House. Uh, that uh, information is available. Uh, I'm sure we'll send something out to let you know what we still need uh, as far as a meal for uh, the Claire House. And then um, just keep doing your thing. Jason, you got anything in particular? Uh, Lord willing, um, Lawn care on Wednesday, 4 to 6 o'clock. Come and help us push a mower. That would be awesome. We got all the stuff, all the stuff here for you. And it's usually a good time. Looks like the weather's not going to be too bad. So, Anyway, we'll uh, do these couple of songs, and I'll give you a blessing, and we'll be out of here.
up his hand here in heaven we will wait for your arrival here in heaven you will finally understand here in heaven we will wait for your arrival here in heaven you will finally understand face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, guys. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Hayden. Thank you, team. Awesome to see you guys. Love you.